Welcome back to the Darwinian Times Survival of the Nimblest, a podcast by Ularity. I'm Mary Hanula, the Director of Marketing, and I'm so happy you're here. This podcast is the intersection of marketing and tech, bringing you exclusive insights and conversations with some of the world's most revolutionary leaders. We talk all things automation, innovation, and even lifestyle. We're big on balancing brilliance and also being authentic. I'm guessing if you're here, then you're probably on the same wavelength too. So sit back, relax, and get inspired. Talk soon. Hello and welcome everybody. I'm very excited to welcome two individuals I've worked with very closely over the past couple months, both Mark and Tammy Goldberg, Mathnasium of Manhattan affiliates and Mathnasium of Durlston owners. Mark and Tammy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks, it's Drew. Really, it's really good to be here. Thanks Absolutely. for inviting us. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, we have a lot to cover today. Really excited to, to get into it. Um, and I just want to start off with the first question here. So can you both share with us um, the story behind your decision to become Mathnasian owners? Ah, yes, of course. Should I start this yeah, one? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I studied math education at the College of New Jersey, um, and I taught for two years in a high school, actually my own, my hometown, our hometown, our hometown we're yes. both from Tom's river, New Jersey. So I, I taught directly out of college, um, in the, the rival high school, Tom's river high school South. And for the, my first year and my second year was at our high school, Tom's river high school North. And I taught all the math subjects, basically all the math subjects, all the levels of students from remedial to advanced. And I felt like there was something that was misaligned for me. I respect teachers so much, and I am so glad that there are teachers that are willing to be classroom teachers, but I wasn't so good with a lot of kids together, the, the classroom management aspect of it. I really wanted a place where the math mattered more <laughs> and where the teaching mattered more and that I didn't have to deal with an administration who wasn't so supportive and kids that didn't really want to be there because I taught seniors. I taught juniors and seniors, and I was like 22. So that was that was a little bit rough. And that was before teachers had to deal with common core math and they had to deal with COVID mm -hmm. and all the standardized testing. So I really, I felt like my exit was, was well-timed. And I wanted to do something bigger. I grew up with parents who were a teacher. I, she, my mom was a, a third grade teacher and a gifted and talented teacher. And my father was an engineer. So both employees, that's really all that and I government, knew. Government employees. Government employees. It's all I knew. Um, and I kind of was a little bit drawn to the acting world because I, well, I had done acting in high school and I took a, a summer camp type thing in New York City the two year, the, the, the summer between my two years of teaching. So I was like, I think I'm going to go try my hand at acting and maybe I'll be a private tutor, private math tutor on the side. So that was the plan. And that's what I did. And what ended up happening was I, I loved the private tutoring and it was in New York city. So I was in these, a lot of times in these fancy schmancy apartments, which was odd for me coming from like suburban New Jersey. So it was interesting. The families were also interesting. Leave it at that. <laughs> Leave it at that. Um, and the kids, that's had, another whole podcast. Totally. Yeah. yeah. But the kids had real gaps in math um, and in a, in a real need for my service. There were tons of private tutoring companies in New York City at that time. 
this was like 2005, four or five, six ish. Mm -hmm. So many private tutoring companies. And I, I was with one of those companies and I, I also worked on my own. So I was out in the Hamptons one summer at a beautiful house and I was tutoring a couple kids there. And I'm like, how am I ever going to have this level of wealth and lifestyle for myself as a private tutor? I need, unless you got there as an actor, uh, which wasn't happening. Right. <laughs> <laughs> not that I was terrible. No, just, I was, I was not, I didn't want it enough. So I, I, cause I was getting, I was getting a lot of satisfaction from working with the kids. I mean, that's, that's all just built in like who I'm pro programmed to be. Well, I think there is certainly a creative in me and it comes out, but it comes out a lot through the education. And we will tell you in a second how we wrote a lot of the curriculum for the Mathnasium franchise. I think one interesting thing to note though, was that most of your private tutoring up to that point was mainly with high school kids, middle school and high school kids. And so some of these families that you started to work with it, it, especially that summer, those were elementary school kids. And I remember That's you true. telling me that you noticed that you were very limited in your ability to go back and really give them what they needed, that it was very, very difficult because there was a lack of foundational knowledge and understanding. You couldn't just work with you know, tonight's homework or uh, preparation for tomorrow's test to help them to be successful. So that kind of began to open your eyes to maybe there's something else that something more that I need to be successful. That's exactly right. So, Cause I, I taught high school math and like side note math, my, my undergrad math ed program taught me basically nothing. And like, I'm certified K to 12. So you'd think that like, I'd have some skills in teaching like number facts to kids. Well, but... would have, right? Well, how many, how many teaching math classes did you actually take in college? Like two. And one was, that's, I know that's pathetic. That's a whole other podcast, but like <laughs> teacher education in this country is not very good. And I think it's getting worse. I took two. There was like one for teaching elementary ed and one for elementary and middle ed and one for teaching high school. That was it. And then it was like, you go in the classroom. And then you had to take a million upper level math classes that you would never use actually teaching. It was very strange, you know, from an outsider who didn't know anything about the world of education. When she would tell me the type of classes that she would have to take, I'd be like, why? how is this going to help you? How is this going to help you teach, you know, in our school system, in our school, you know, our schooling system, the way that it works, it's just not. You know, if you were going to go on to teach college, okay, right? Like you would need that stuff. But there was so much emphasis on this high level math. It wasn't a mathematics degree. That's different. It was a math education, secondary, to be certified secondary education. And really where you learn is when you're thrown into the classroom, like a real classroom, your junior year, it's like your junior experience teaching. And then your senior year where you do your student teaching, that's where you like, you're thrown into the fire and you like like oh no <laughs> it was hard but i didn't i didn't actually learn how to teach until i started teaching which is so common for a lot of professions sure um so yes i was excellent at the high school level material when i was a private tutor but the elementary kids i really just leaned on my like personality and social skills and like care about the kids and it, but my my techniques were a little shitty <laughs> i was doing flashcards 
And I was like putting them in the different piles. You know this, you don't know this. Like, and I wondered that. And eventually ended up. Eventually we, uh, with, with, uh, with some great foundation from the work of Larry Martinek, who is the, one of the founders of Mathnasium, we, we became brilliant at teaching number facts and created whole programs around this. That all of the franchises. That all the franchisees use. Use now. Yes. So, but that's, that's when that pondering kind of came up, like, hmm, I could be doing this a lot better. And then it eventually ended up being a big part of our life purpose. Oh yeah. And and I remember, you know, as far as making our way into the Mathnasium franchise, Tammy, I remember this moment where you were, you went to a, a Barnes and Noble and you pulled the you you went into the business section of you know of the bookstore. It wasn't completely random. I had been hearing about the book Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah. And, Never heard and, of that one. Oh yeah. It's Robert Kiyosaki. It's a great it. mindset book. Um okay. it, you know, it's not it's not a lot of like, you know, here's how you can go develop a business. Uh, but it, it is very much about mindset. Well, and for me it was there's a whole nother world other than being an employee that you, you could be self-employed, you could be a business owner and you you could be an investor. And I was like, really, (laughs) I could be a business owner. And, and the suggestion was if you're new with this, buy into a franchise and then you kind of, it's a great way to learn how to run a business. Right. So Uh, I'm sitting out in the, Oh, you want to tell the Barnes and Noble. That was the gist of it. Well, I just remember you like, you Did called I call me. You, you in called the middle me, of it? and you're like, like, "You got to read this book." I don't. Oh my it. god! I don't read many books. I'm a math person. So I don't have to read many books. I sat here and I like read the whole book while, while I'm that here. Happen much? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is this is groundbreaking. And then I was out in the Hamptons, and I had my rich dad poor dad book, and I and you had your laptop with you. Yes, and I started looking into education franchises, and I found Mathnasium. This is interesting. But I was like, hmm, all right, I'm going to call them and I'm going to inquire and see what this is all about. So I did. And I'm like, New York City could really use something like this because a lot of because private tutoring companies, while there's a ton of them and they're all over way overcharging and like they are good at like the SAT prep world kind of thing. Oh, just looking into the. Oh, New York City was ripe for it. Yes. It was ripe for it. I'm like, oh, this could be really interesting. So I, I talked to them and I was like can we make the numbers work? Cause they were way undercharging at that point, especially like, for what we could make work in New York city. So the, the, the model was, was not necessarily built well for New York city environment. Right. 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 So I convinced my mother to open one in suburban New Jersey. In, in Tom's River, Tom's where River, we grew up, we grew up. She Love was that. ready to retire. And uh, yeah, from teaching, from, as you from said, teaching as a gifted and talented teacher and her two business partners had just retired. Yes. Right. And they were, they were all in. Yeah. So they went out and they did the discovery day and they bought in. So we got to see up close how this thing really works. And I was very impressed with what I saw. Like they were very small at the time. So I, I really loved that she had immediate access to Larry Martinek, who is the, the math guy, the math founder of like the guru, the math guru. I love that she could just pick up the phone and he would like answer all of her education questions. Um, and he became a major mentor, mentor of, to of us. ours. Yes. Um, what was your impression of my mom's operation? I, I mean, what I was looking for. So at that point, I didn't even know how involved I would be. I knew that if we were going to do this, it would be important for our family. You know, it was just the two of us at the time. We were just getting married, um, but we wanted to have children and all of that. And it, but you know, it would be a huge endeavor. 
So for me, a lot of what I wanted to see, especially since it wasn't necessarily built for the environment of New York City, I was looking at, okay, how how regimented is this franchise at this point? How flexible is this that we could really mold this in a way where we could really develop the brand here, regardless of what's going on elsewhere, um, that we could do things in a certain way that would lead to our success? It was a very young franchise at the time. Uh, they had... I mean, they just had just started franchising in uh, 2003, 2004, and this was 2006, 2007. So they really didn't have a lot figured out yet. What they did know was that there was a tremendous need um, for a math-only learning center and that they had a brilliant man in Larry who had tremendous ideas about how to teach math to kids in a way that really made sense. Um, especially at the elementary and, and middle school level, that was such a differentiator. You know, when I saw that, okay, this is not something that's so regimented that we we wouldn't be able to make this work. You know, that's that's when I, you know, got interested. And um, at first, I was just going to be, you know, kind of helping out on the operations end, on the back end, doing some bookkeeping and some billing and things like that because I, I have a, an accounting degree. But we needed more from me uh, than that. Um, well, I knew this was going to blow up. Like <laughs> I knew even in 2008 when, yeah, 2008, yeah, 2008, when, when the economy, the, the stock market crashed. And that's right. When we opened our first center was like right in the subprime mortgage, uh, nightmare, uh, that occurred. Uh, that's when we opened our, our first center on the Upper East side. And it still grew. It did. I it did a good first year. Yeah. And, but I mean, we were there constantly we were, <laughs> we were hard we, yeah. were, we were wearing the a, a plus costume outside yeah 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 no it was the dice then oh, was that... <laughs> we didn't have the a plus costume oh, yet <laughs> i walked oh, i walked around the neighborhood with a with a as as a die oh, uh on, on halloween, halloween. <laughs> on halloween. That, that's not as bad <laughs> no you know, what I didn't expect was to get so um to fall in love on with the education side and before before we knew it, here I was teaching and being incredibly effective. And then we'd have you know kids come in and and be like, oh, I want to work with that guy, and you know th this kind of thing that would go on. And you it, were such a clean slate. Yeah, like he didn't have any. I didn't have any teacher education, training. teacher training, corrupting his mind. Right. Like it all came from Larry Martinek. You learned all of of his strategies. Yes. As well and as being able to bounce things off of you me, as well. Sure. And, and just experience. And hearing the way some of the kids think and you're oh, like, yeah. oh, wow, that was really efficient. Like, what if we could, what if we could write that into the curriculum and teach everybody that way? Yeah. And yeah. That would be amazing when we, you, we could extract from these, <laughs> these kids, the way for them to be able to articulate the ways they were thinking, the ones that were real, like strong, natural mathematical thinkers, they mm -hmm. would come in. And so much of it was in alignment with the way that Larry would teach kids to think. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's because the, the foundation of the Mathnasium program was based on Larry's work with his son, Nick, who was a very gifted mathematical thinker. It helped Larry to uncover not only the ways in which natural mathematical thinkers process and do math and solve problems, but the language that truly makes sense to them, that language being so key. And and I was fascinated by it and seeing how all these pieces would fit together and then actually putting it into practice and seeing kids just that that excel in a, in a tremendous way compared to what they came in with. 
Uh, it was exciting to me. And, um, and, and I started to see as, as great as Larry was as a teacher and, and as a, I think a trainer to us as franchisees, a lot of times because this curriculum was built very much as just kind of practice problems. So a lot of these ways of thinking that we were teaching kids that, that I could, cause I knew this stuff inside and out. Well, all of our instructors were not necessarily well-versed in all these ways of thinking. And we realized that we needed materials that would embed that more of that and more of that language and the, these constructs, the ways in which we were teaching that we would have visuals to support that so that our instructors wouldn't have to train for hours and hours and hours and hours on the back end so that they could become masters of this by the time they step in front of students. That just wasn't scalable. Eventually, we, we, had, uh, we had written some curriculum early on, and, and that's a good thing to, to, to get into on, on, the, on number facts. But eventually, we were contracted to, with Larry, uh, rewrite most of the curriculum for first grade through seventh grade. Uh, through that lens where we were teaching efficient, reliable ways of thinking we with the right language embedded, with tremendous visuals embedded, so that every child could learn to think in the way that Nick Martinek did, so that in the way that a natural mathematical thinker thinks. Because you, it's, it's, it's a common misconception that we're not saying that someone can't be naturally wired to be great at math. Certainly, we know that they are. But that doesn't mean if you're not naturally wired that you can't become great at it. If you learn the ways in which those people think, well, it, it's like your potential you know, for mathematical thinking grows dramatically. Mm. So it's the, the, the kids that come in and feel like you know, they're just not math people. You know, we debunk that every day, mm-hmm. every day. Uh, and, and that's what excited me about it was seeing that, seeing that transformation in these kids that came in thinking that they they didn't have that capability and it was like oh well now this is so much easier for me and then obviously as we rebuilt so much of the curriculum that just was able we were able to scale that in a way that didn't rely on me it didn't rely on Tammy it didn't rely on necessarily having you know we of course we want to have great instructors but we didn't have to have instructors that were that were going to be you know, committed forever and hours of all that training to get them to the point where, where they could teach with ease. See, we were in an interesting dilemma. We were opening in New York City. And in New York City, everything has to be perfect, like because the parents are very demanding. Very demanding, sure. And luckily, I'm very demanding on myself. <laughs> <laughs> so that worked out very well. But the franchisor had to, we, we pushed them to be better. Yeah, we made them pretty uncomfortable. And some people were comfortable with being uncomfortable and some people weren't as comfortable with that. Um, but ultimately, ultimately the right decisions were made. Right. And everyone is so grateful. The original mm. founders are right. definitely <laughs> extremely grateful. They, yeah. David Ollendorf, is, who was one of the founders, he, he said that he is forever indebted to us. So um, for kind of pushing them out of their comfort zone. Yeah. And, but, you know, it was, it was a battle at times, but it's okay. Like it, it, we needed it in order for us to, because we wanted to scale. We didn't want to just have our, our first one was Upper East Side. I, we didn't yeah, I that. said that. Upper East Side uh, in 2008. We, we actually found ourselves getting 
um, I found myself getting pulled in the kids starting to like get attached a bit to me. And I was like, this is kind of nice in a way, but remember rich dad, poor dad, <laughs> like you want to build a business. You want to have multiple locations. So what did I do? <laughs> so we had we a got baby. <laughs> yeah. So that was my solution to that. I had a lot to learn. <laughs> no, but like, I mean, but we, we wanted, wanted to get started. And we're very happy that we have Teddy. Yes. But it was an odd business move. It was like, well, here's one way I can pull myself out. But what happened, it all fell on you. Yes. And we did not have the right systems in place to have it not fall on yeah, you. It, it, well, it wasn't, it wasn't a franchise that was ready for, really wasn't ready for multi-center ownership. The, the systems were not in place for that. It was it was built for the single unit owner operator, uh, and there were people that were pushing that, uh, and we were you know one of the franchise owners that were pushing that envelope. But there was a lot that we had to figure out for ourselves because it wasn't they they didn't intend it to be that initially. Now I mean you have some owners with you know twenty plus locations, one one owner that has forty plus locations, and. I don't think the founders ever would have imagined that. We don't want that size of business. That's no, not ours is big enough. <laughs> yes. How many do we have now? Six. We have six at this point. Do you want to tell them where they are? Sure. Uh, yes, we have uh, Upper East Side, Upper West Side, Union Square. Uh, we have two in Brooklyn, Berm Hill, and Brooklyn Heights, Dumbo. And then uh, we have a center in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, which is where, uh, which is where we live. So we. Pre-COVID, we had two other locations in Manhattan, um, and due to all of the challenges with first challenges with those locations to begin with, and then pile on that all of the challenges of COVID, they, those two locations didn't make it. Um, but you know, we're they weren't meant to be. They weren't they, meant. They to were be. in areas that didn't have the density that that's needed to have a really density of families in in a walking distance which is what's key in an urban environment like Manhattan and the areas of Brooklyn that we live not that nobody will you know get on a subway or a bus to come to you but generally you need a lot of families within a walking distance uh, you know 10 to 15 minute walking distance otherwise it's with with the cost structure in you know of real estate in Manhattan and you know, it, it's it's just it, it costs a lot to operate a business, uh, especially a retail business, and and so the, the numbers just didn't work. It was a valiant effort on those two, but if if uh, I don't think anybody any entrepreneur succeeds every time, uh, <laughs> and so oh no, we had, we learned from a lot of mistakes. Oh yeah, that's for sure. Just like everybody else, <clears throat> definitely. Everything you just said, I I want to unpack when you guys briefly mentioned helping to rewrite and add on to the curriculum. You were pretty much pioneers and you mentioned that there was some resistance at first. What was it like introducing that topic? How was that breach to leadership? And how, I, obviously it's been a huge shift, but really like, what was that like at first? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were there people on the on the education side were very much in favor and because they, I mean, it, it started out as a covert operation. So it started out with me having a conversation with Larry and a few other franchisees and expressing to him some ideas that we had, particular in particularly uh, related to multiplication fact fluency. Larry said to me, "You know, these ideas are fantastic and right in alignment with how I would want to teach this. Uh, we don't have the internal bandwidth to do this, but if if you and Tammy wanted to." 
you know, write up some pages and we can we can format them and turn them into, you know, mathnasium, but you know, look like mathnasium pages. We I can figure it out. We'll we'll get get you paid something for it and you know, that would make it happen. And we were like Larry's like, I don't care where the ideas come from. We just want the best ideas. Yeah. I mean, oh, you gotta love people like that. Yes. You know, um, that wasn't there was another there was another side in HQ that were not so I, I creatively think they, open. The the foundation of what Mathnasium, you know, was to begin with is what taught us to be able to do what we did. And so you know, it would have been better if it if it had been viewed upon as this really did come from within because it came from within the franchise system. Um, and, you know, that first pass of materials that we wrote, I mean, it, it, it was, it did the job. It was way better than what had been there, but like compared to what we can write today, it's like, Oh yeah. We weren't that great at it at first. No, it took, took a while, but this is more of an issue with, you know, the franchise or is supposed to hand you the, the They're blue, supposed to hand the you the stuff, right. right? The franchisees aren't supposed to do that. This is going against the the model, and I think that was understandably hard yes. for yes. a franchisor who might have some some like ego issues, insecurities, insecurities around insecurities it. around that. Because for us, like we couldn't get to where we wanted to go if it wasn't brilliant. Yeah, and we had resigned ourselves to the fact that we had to, we were developing this brilliance in writing this, and we saw it you know, in the proof of what was happening with the kids. And, and we, so we just said, well, it would be amazing if this was just handed to us, but that wasn't possible. It wasn't going to happen. So we had to fight and we fought and we fought and we fought. We had written with Larry, a program for addition and subtraction facts that was revolutionary uh, that didn't that doesn't exist anywhere else but Mathnasium, uh, and we knew we were kind of changing the landscape of math education while we were doing it. I mean, it was it, it was pretty incredible. And one that's of that's when we got good. That's when we got good. Exactly. Yeah. That was when we got really good. Yeah. A, a few months after we wrapped that up, and again, it wasn't even pushed out to the whole franchise system. It was just us and anybody who had heard about it that would reach out to Larry, he would give them access to the materials. So again, this was totally like <laughs> we we were just doing it. N nobody else knew about it. But David Ollendorf, one of the founders, finally got his and he was on the education side, got his hands on the materials and started working with them. And we I got this email, we got this email from him where he said this is unbelievable. This is game changing. Every child that comes through our doors, at least through you know fourth grade, needs to be assessed with these materials and needs to work with these materials if they need it. This is absolutely game changing for our franchise system. I can't thank you enough for what you did. The heavy lifting of of the writing, you know, came from us. Um, we ultimately wrote over twenty five hundred pages of the curriculum. And kindergarten through seventh kindergarten grade. through seventh grade yeah and and we uh yeah and, and even in That's recent huge. years yeah even after taking a five-year hiatus from writing we were re-engaged and during during covid we we wrote um some really fantastic curriculum and I, I, we kind of put a button on some things that we had been planning for a long time that just they hadn't engaged us to do and so that felt really good mm -hmm. to to get that work done not a standard, you know, franchise situation where you have 
a set of fran- you know one one franchisee uh, that you know has kind of created the the core of of what makes you successful and i know that's it 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 can be uncomfortable i think for some for a franchisor yeah sure i'm glad that i did buy into this franchise i think it was was definitely the right move for for me and for our family like our kids got to grow are still grow we have a 10 10 and a 13 year old growing up in the mathnasium culture they hear us talking about math a lot Mm -hmm. yet not too much because we're kind of like we're kind of math people who are, are also artists and actors and musicians. musicians. And you know what? That's what we attract athletes too. In our yeah. Yeah. That's what we attract in our staff, which is kind of kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. You we know? get some really, really interesting people. Yeah. And math's not dorky at Mathnasium. No. You know, not dorky at all. It's it's like we've found these characters that are engaging yeah. and know the math and like isn't that like the best combination we even have some stand-up comics on our staff now yeah that's awesome <laughs> yeah it's just super cool that's cool that's what i find um most interesting so i'm noticing like the key ingredient you both share is it sounds like a passion for math um and as i'm well aware and i'm sure mary is as well there's this negative stigma around math uh, that people are so afraid of, they fear math. I didn't learn to love math until a later stage in my education. Um, can you guys explain and kind of go into depth what you're seeing, um, the students that come in, the fear that you're experiencing with people that are just, you know, not, not engaged with math and just kind of afraid to, to dig into it? Yeah, sure. It's a mindset virus, I think. It's not real. Uh, for most most children, most yes. people, most adults, they've been told they're not good at math by somebody, or they have been using curriculum that's confusing, which is true and is happening for most kids and has been for a while in elementary. I feel like high school, it's 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 much better. But if you're confused in elementary, middle school, like as math is, it's, it's going to snowball. Right, you know? it builds you know, on it itself. It builds on itself. So that's that's tough. It's a misconception. That's it's just not true. Um, and that's, I feel like I'm less passionate about the subject of math and much more passionate about empowering children to feel more confident in themselves. And we use math as the vehicle, but there's lots of vehicles to do that. Absolutely. You know, sports for sure. Definitely does Music. that. Music, other academics can do that. We just happen to choose math. So it feels like we're on this team of uh, people who support children. And I think children need help these days because I think they are the ones that are hurt the most by some of the crazy things that are happening in the world today. And I, I, I enjoy being an advocate for children in this way that like I become an expert in. And I guess to, to speak very specifically to the fears, sometimes it's because they've moved schools and there's just they they they're lacking prerequisite knowledge. Yeah, well, yeah. Zooming out a bit, I mean, well, why do we shy away from doing certain things? It's because we don't feel comfortable with it. We don't feel good at it. Why do we want to put ourselves in a situation where we continually, over and over again, feel like we're not good enough? And usually, it's because at a at a young age, there were some things that were missed. There were concepts that were not understood well. Like we, you know, we'll have kids that are, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade that are still finger counting to find the the answers to addition and subtraction facts. It does happen. I I had a student once 
um, this is very early on when we were writing these materials, an eighth grader, and he had, I was working with him in private instruction, and he was just had such a bad attitude, and he just, he didn't want to be there, he didn't want to engage in this at all, and I noticed on a page where he was doing multi-digit subtraction, he had to do it, and I saw him finger counting, and this is right when we were writing those original materials. I said, Devin, hang on a second. And I ran back to the computer and I printed out these pages that were in development. Like they weren't even, you know, we hadn't tested them. We hadn't done anything yet. I printed them out and this was to teach subtraction facts when, you, let's say that the top number, let's let the menu end um, is 15, the first number, let's say. So it's over 10. And the subtrahend, the second number, let's say was eight, right? So under 10. So that's where a lot of times kids count down from 15 because they're taught subtraction means taking away. Well, in that case, we teach kids to think not only that subtraction means taking away, but it also means how far apart the numbers are. So going from eight up to 15. And what I taught him in those materials was that, well, first we can use 10 to help us. So we can think how far is it from eight up to 10, two, and how far is it from 10 up to 15, five, I can put those two pieces together to make seven. And because he was an eighth grader with a with a brain more developed than, let's say, a, a first or second grader, this came to him exceptionally quickly, and he had visuals to support it, so he understood what was going on. And we did one page of this, and then he slammed his fist on the table, and he said to me, how come nobody taught me this? Now, and I said to him, Devin, I don't know why, but... Now you know this, and now you can use this, and that's what we're doing here. And from that point on, that kid like came in, came into the center every time with a smile on his face, with, ready to go, ready to learn, because I showed him that it didn't have to be this thing that was so dissonant, right? It didn't have to be something that made him miserable, that made him feel like he wasn't good enough. Exactly. Drew, so like he just gave you the solution, like that's what we do to solve that and we can do it quickly. Yeah, um, that's the first thing that changes, right? Like certainly a kid who's two years behind, we can't catch you up in a few weeks. We can't catch you up. We may It may take a few years. Just It's instilling a little bubble of hope and it goes really far. And when you do that and then you you prove to them that they they can do this, that this is a matter of just being taught the some easier ways to do things and you do a bit of a mindset shift. You could do it on the first day. Oh yeah. That buys us some time to actually do some skill improvement. Then we get to work literally on the program that we've customized for them because everybody gets a customized program that's specific to their initial assessment. But we do this in the initial assessment. Yes. Whether they're enrolling or not. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we're, we're going to give them that, that bubble of hope. Yeah. The assessment is not, it's not a it's not a test, right? It's not we throw a piece of paper in front of you and walk away. No, it's it, very interactive. It's interactive. It's, it's us thorough. understanding, you know, how how you think. It's us along the way teaching you something so that you know whether it is that you're a child that's advanced and you're really excited about learning new ways of thinking, and we can teach you something along the way, or you're a child that is having some difficulties or somewhere in between. We want you to really understand the that the the opportunity that you have at Mathnasium to learn in ways that you're not going to be taught anywhere else, and and we want kids you know 
walking out feeling that value because it like can't we, just be the parents the picture. kids have to feel it's that. like we, you paint a picture for what it could be what it could be like yeah and then and you've proven to them that we're, we can actually do this we can make this happen for you and then we do it yeah yeah and they walk out with a very different posture it's it's really cool yeah it sure is and that's that brings me to a, a point that i was thinking so i'm interested in the relationship of this curriculum and the student when they when they come into your center they see this new way of learning this new way of of seeing math what is the transition like when they leave your um, location and they go to back to, to school and back into the classroom are they a, are they a new student are, are they starting to like you know classes now are they a better you student? get much more of this yeah much more hands raised right. in the air yeah awesome that's so um good. you know and we we've talked to our own children teachers about other kids that they've seen go through the mathnasium program they say oh my goodness it's a complete transformation yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, a lot of parents have concerns, especially at the elementary school level, you know, that, that they come in with this idea that are, are we teaching it the way they're going to be teaching it in school? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to confuse them. Mm-hmm. A lot of times these kids are already confused with the yeah. way they're being taught in school. <laughs> the way that we teach them is going to, and I'm not, I'm not saying in every time, right? But oftentimes for those kids that are struggling and the parents that are worried about us that their child getting confused, they're already confused. What we do is actually bring sense to it, right? It's, we help them to, to actually understand what's going on and, you know, have ways of thinking that are reliable and efficient so that they can get a correct answer over and over and over again, not just to get the correct answer, but they actually understand what's happening. So then they can build on that. So that fundamentally works anywhere, right? It's going to make it easy. If, if their teacher wants them to solve something a certain way, they're actually going to gain a better understanding of how to solve that, be able to do it if they actually understand the concept, even if we taught it to them in a different way. And ultimately, curricula change. The middle, you know, if this is a, a fifth grade student or a fourth grade student, when they go to middle school, their middle school teacher doesn't care about how they were taught or what method they were taught or whether they were in Singapore math or everyday math. Nobody cares about that. What they care about is, are you proficient? Can you do this? So parents need to get out of their wiring that the way in which they're being taught right now in school and their child being able to understand that or do it that way is what matters. Ultimately, what matters for their life is that they have good number sense, they have a good relationship with math, and they have they have the foundational skills, and the fundamentals that they need to be successful in in middle school, high school, and beyond. Well said. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think, and kind of a that's a hard, it's a tough ask for parents because you want to trust that what the school is doing is is great. You know, having been in this for fifteen years, this is this is our fifteenth yeah, year. And seeing a lot of different math curricula um, from a lot of different schools, uh, we've seen very traditional math curricula, like how we were taught with the standard mm-hmm. algorithms, you know, with the right. car- where math is very much about memorization and, you know, formulas and algorithms. And that that's what that's what math was. Right. Sure. But not not to downplay that. Though. No, because, because there's a lot you need to know those algorithms and, and facts and all of that. Right. right. Not necessary memorization, but yeah. Memorization. We, we very, could talk. All, we have a whole podcast. We very about much that. don't like <laughs> memorization, um, but but the the committed to memory. Committed to memory is better. Yes, sure. Yes. 
So the way that we were taught the standard algorithms, and then that's very traditional. And then there's the, the, the reform math programs, which are kind of like, oh, well, you can do it this way, or you can do it that way. And let's come up with a bunch of different ways you can do it. And let's and, explore this and, and very strange algorithms that are being taught. And then the child ends up like not having mastery of any one in particular. So that is in the common core math realm. It's very confusing that we've seen a lot of... Well, the rubber stamped common core, even though common core was purely just a set of standards. But these, the, there, there is a whole bunch of these curricula that just had these crazy ideas of how to teach things. And they put a stamp on it that said common core aligned or, or common core math. And then, you know, confused the crap out of a whole lot of parents. Very, con It's just very confusing. And the essence, like the, what they were trying to get at was they, they wanted to build some transparency. transparency around the algorithms. Like, why are we caring and why are we borrowing? And it would be good to build in some number sense so that kids aren't doing 101 minus 99 with an algorithm. Sure. That, that's valid, valid point. The problem is that the curricula that they wrote just didn't get you there. It's just yep, overall it. bad. So what Mathnasium does is we take the best of both. The best of both ideas. Ideas. Yes. So we, we do teach the standard algorithms. We also bring transparency to why they work. That's right. And we also build mental math and number sense like the whole reform math was trying to get at. So that you can, when a problem is presented, a child will first think, well, does it make sense for me to use mental math here? Right. Do I have a way of, by inspection, can I see this and can I just use a mental math strategy to get my answer? And if I can't, then I know that I rely on an algorithm and I know how to do the algorithm. And then as an adult, you want to use a calculator? Great. But you know that you don't have to use a calculator, which I think is a very empowering thing as an adult to not be too reliant on technology, right? Mm -hmm. It's the, the bridging of we teach the number sense mental math and we teach the standard algorithms and we do it in a way that's customized so that each child has their, their own personalized program and we in incrementally challenge them by giving little micro challenges in order to get them where we need them to be and where we believe that they can get to. And then we do another assessment and we prove that we've, we've gotten to that point, you know, and the other, the, the better metric is, is really just the attitude and the posture. Right. How do they feel? How do they feel? You know, it can't, it can't just be about how they feel. Right? No, no, it's gotta be right. <laughs> it's gotta be, yeah, to actually you have to balance have both. Right. You gotta have feel improvement too. Yeah. But we do, you know, and I, I feel like, we haven't been fabulous at marketing and it's time because we have something that everybody needs. Like yeah. um, almost every child could benefit from a mathnasium program. Um, and especially now because of all the learning loss due to COVID, it's like our program is actually perfectly built to support kids through this. So it's time for us to get a little bit out of our comfort zones and to get, get more publicly facing around what it is that we, that we can offer and provide for families. Yeah. And cause I think that's one of our biggest challenges is that a lot of families don't really understand what Mathnasium is, who we serve well and why they should come to us instead of going, you know, getting a private tutor to come to their house, mm. you know, so, so often you know, people are just wired to think, oh, my child needs help. I got to go hire a private tutor. I need, and I need somebody who knows the school curriculum to come to my house. Oh, that's such a mistake. Right. We get a lot of, it doesn't mean that there can't be some exceptional tutors out there. I, I'm sure there are, yeah. 
Um, but on the high school level, it's not a mistake. Right. Like bring your bring a tutor in for high school math. But when it's when it's elementary, well, it depends it, on well, what the child a, needs, right? A lot of yeah. underlying gaps that yes. you need a full program. And how far behind the, the student is, right? If it's a child that's just trying to go from an A minus to an A plus, or a, you know, or a, a B, tutor, right? Or go a B or a B to an A, and that's yeah. what you care about. You're caring about grades, then that that's a great route to go. Weren't you just saying we were getting some leads recently that were like, uh, we've gone the private. Oh yeah. Route. I mean, and we hear this a lot, but I, I, there was one, there was a prospective customer uh, request that came in today where the the parent said, my, you know, wrote a little comment and said, my child is, has been struggling a fourth grader. My child has really been struggling for the last few years. And the the school says that we need to get her help. I we've, she's had a private tutor, but it's just not working and we need another approach. And so the more that we can help people to understand, you know, once you notice the struggles, or if you just even have a suspicion of struggles, come and do an assessment at Mathnasium, because you're going to get so much information about what's actually going on with your child. And that's how you can really understand what the experience is going to be and what, what the value proposition of Mathnasium is compared to hiring the teacher to come in and work on the, the, you know, their school curriculum. Yeah. I've been the private tutor. Like there's major limitations there. Yes. Like they, they need exactly what we built in yes. order to counter that issue that, that I found. I don't like not being good at something. You know, we figured out how to be really good at it exceptionally good at it right now it it does it does take a commitment because it is not something that especially for a child who is struggling is behind it's not something that you're going to solve in a few weeks or in many cases even in a few months and it's going to take twice a week attendance and it's going to take the child being you know mentally and physically you know mentally engaged in it um so it's not necessarily for everyone mm. um it's a good point you, and you've, you've got to really want it. You got to want it. Family's got to really commit to it. Just like physical therapy. Just yeah, you know? just like anything that you're you're trying to make a dramatic change. You, you can't you can't just have a have a toe in it. You you have to be committed to it. And like and you know that I think that's one of the barriers to enrollment sometimes is that you have families you know they they want a quick fix and the reality is that that in in this realm I don't know if there is a quick fix in anything but I do know that when it comes to math education there there isn't um especially for kids who are behind uh, and there are more kids that are behind now uh, than ever but it's a, it's an investment that's well worth it if you do, especially when the when the kids are younger you make that investment now and you probably won't need the tutors again. Do it now so you don't need it in high school right? and, and college. When like, the grades matter. I mean, yeah. I mean that's one, uh, one of the problems that we encounter is parents that get so grade-focused when grades mean nothing on a transcript. I mean, maybe it means something as far as what math class they're going to get into in, in middle school or, or high school, but um, but like caring about the grades for a fourth or fifth grader or third grader, it makes absolutely no sense. What you need to be focused on is their understanding, you know, are they mastering skills and how, how confident are they, right? Are they running away from math or are they running towards it or, or at least they are not running away from it. And so it's, it's hard because they have these measuring sticks in school. And of course, you know, measurements are important, 
but you got to realize when do the numbers and the the grades actually matter versus when is it really just focused when should you just be focused on understanding and confidence we do our best when parents come in and when they are making that commitment and those kids aren't necessarily seeing their grades improve dramatically right away remind them that th this is an investment in math becoming a strength for them for their life. It's not an investment in getting a better grade on their next test. I, I love all of that. And I definitely think it's so easy for kids, no matter what grade they're in, they have a bad experience, whether it's with a teacher or a test or any type of learning process, the negative connotation is instantly made. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's really, really hard to undo because just like you were saying, it's not the kid and you have to show your belief in them but when it's on a grading scale or a certain teacher or just a course that doesn't really give that type of reassurance and encouragement it can be so detrimental to how they view the entire subject as well as their own problem solving skills in general you go yeah yeah and and math can be such a litmus test of intelligence in a lot of people's minds right especially kids like they look at the kids who are good at math like you know, if they're not one of them, oh, that kid is so smart. And oh, well, what does that say about me, right? That I guess I'm not. And so what we see and what parents tell us over and over again is that as their math skills improve and as they start to see that this isn't as difficult as they thought it was, that they're capable of doing it, not only does their school performance increase in math, but across the board, their confidence improves because they said, Hey, well, this thing that I thought I couldn't do, well, now I can do, well, that, what else can I do? Yeah. Right. So it totally yes. kind of changes it it, it. it, it, takes them from, let's say a fixed mindset about themselves and, and you know, that, that opens up them to, to having more of a growth mindset, not, not just in math, but and it might be not just in, in academics, right? Like they're that, that yeah, right? I've, I've experienced that myself, right? Oh, yeah. Haven't you guys experienced that? Oh yeah. You know, like, oh, if I can do that Absolutely. thing that I thought was like super hard, well, maybe I could do this thing or that. Like it just opens up somebody's world. Yeah. It changes dramatically. Yeah. To round it out, looking forward, what can we expect from you guys? What can we expect from the locations you have and what you're doing in the curriculum in the years to come? We are finally growing at a nice pace since COVID hit. And yeah, I mean, so, we were really devastated hard. by COVID, especially in New York. You know, it was probably the hardest hit place in the country. I don't know, probably it was. And, you know, it, it definitely hurt our business uh, significantly. And it has taken us quite some time to regain uh, traction. And uh, thankfully, uh, this school year, you know, was a big growth year for us uh, in terms of, you know, getting getting closer. Um, we still have a ways to go to get back to enrollment numbers that we had prior to to the COVID shutdown. But we're on track. We we we're pretty confident that we're going to get there. And and so that that is a relief. It is exciting. And then, you know, the sky's the limit. We know that there are so many kids out there that need in, in the areas that we serve that benefit so significantly from what we offer. And so, um, you know, we're looking forward to pushing past those enrollment numbers that we we had pre-COVID, and we, we believe that's going to happen. On the curriculum side, it really uh, depends on how much of an appetite the franchisor has to work with us uh, on new curriculum moving forward. 
we've got something incredible and more people need to experience that. So let's focus, let's focus most of our efforts there. Lots more kids to help. Yes. And, and we've got the service now. I think it's a, for us, I think our challenge is really to spread the word yeah. and to, um, be on more podcasts like, like this one, yeah. like this is a fantastic opportunity for us, you know, and it's, it's making us realize that we, we can do, we can do this. Oh yeah. Like we don't, we're not just people who write curriculum. Like we can talk about it. And oh, yeah. I think it's been a little bit of a, of a fear for me to like get out there and, and just speak about it. Um, so I think for me, it's overcoming that fear. Um, that's my personal challenge to myself. And really it's in service of, of the children in our communities. So that certainly helps me to overcome that fear. Yeah. <laughs> and we have such a phenomenal team. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it is especially right now, especially right now. Yeah. They're great. <laughs> They're awesome. Um, so it's like, I, I can so confidently sit here and say the experience that, you know, the, that, that the families will have coming in, I mean, of course, you can't control everything, but the the experience that families are having is just phenomenally off the charts. It shows in in our customer reviews and you know just the comments that we get from from parents about the experience. It, it's exciting and it, it's a it's a wonderful thing to be a part of. You know, and to wrap up the the personal story, we did build a B. You know, we yeah. we, we built the business, and we have a, we have the lifestyle. We we have a good lifestyle, mm -hmm. you know, and we we don't work every single day on on the business, and you know we live in Doylestown, uh, Pennsylvania, and we're our business is primarily in New York City. Um, we're able to communicate to the team th from here, um, and I think we'd like to spend some more time yeah in the centers themselves. Generally, it's just we've got the service that really helps the world, and like we need to get the word out, you know, we need help getting, getting the word out. So thank you. Yeah. Guys. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You already know, I'd love to talk shop about what insights were your favorite. For those of you that don't know us yet, Ularity is the world's most efficient local marketing platform. Using machine learning and automation, our state-of-the-art technology simplifies the complex world of developing and executing digital marketing programs, all for a flat and transparent fee. Our technology-based SaaS, Software as a Service, model is a fraction of the cost of traditional vendors. Check us out at eulerity.com, E-U-L-E-R-I-T-Y.com. And keep an eye out for our next episode of the Darwinian Times Survival of the Nimblest. Stay safe, stay happy, talk soon.